Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 11 of Genesis chapter 3. And we're continuing to read Genesis 3, beginning in verse 8. And they heard the voice of Jehovah God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Jehovah God amongst the trees of the garden. And Jehovah God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. Well, we'll stop reading there. Now, um, last time we were looking at verse 8, and we saw that Adam and Eve, in hiding themselves from the presence of Jehovah, were already showing that they were under the wrath of God, as to be to be separated from God or to be separated from his presence is an indicator of someone under his wrath. Actually, we saw in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, that the unsaved will be cut off eternally from the presence of the Lord. And all through man's lifetime, while, while he lives in this world, he has lived under the wrath of God. The wrath of God has abided upon him. And it abides upon him as he is separated from God and, and is distant from God. He is away from the presence of Jehovah due to his sins. Remember that verse in the book of Isaiah. It's in Isaiah chapter 59. It's verse 2, but I'll read verse 1 just so we can get the context. Isaiah 59, beginning in verse 1. Behold, Jehovah's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. And that's looking at it from the perspective of God. Our sin has separated us from God and our iniquity so that God has hidden himself from us. Now, I know it's man's natural fallen reaction to hide from God, to flee from the light, and and to seek the cover of darkness. Yet, God really has brought that to pass. It is the penalty for disobedience. God warned, in the day you eat thereof, ye will surely die. It is death to go from the presence of Jehovah, to be separated from Jehovah as he is life. It, it is death to run to the darkness as light identifies with life. And and this is man's reaction because of his sin, 
but it also fulfills the word of God concerning the penalty, the penalty for disobedience and for transgressing his law. And God also is the one who determines which of all of mankind, all these people, these billions of people that have equally transgressed and all equally broken the law of God, the commandments of God, which ones will I redeem? Which certain individuals will I draw from their comfortable darkness and and will I drag to myself into the light and save? And, And God made that decision, made that determination by predestinating certain ones to salvation. These people are called his elect people and he left the rest. He left the rest in their darkness. And, and that is God's sovereign will, his sovereign determination to leave these people in this state of separation, in this hiding from him, and in allowing this and permitting man to continue on in his sins and, and hiding from God and covering over his iniquities, God is the one, actually, that has hid himself from man. God is the one that has separated from man. And so we find here that Adam and Eve are taking the action. They're the ones that are uh, moving away from God, from the presence of Jehovah. They're the ones actively seeking to hide themselves amongst the trees of the garden but God's permitting it. And in his permissive will, it is according to the will of God. And and therefore, God is doing it. Actually, a working out of his wrath upon them that man has gone in this way. Now, I just want to look at one more thing about presence. This statement that Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of Jehovah. I want to look at this because I think it will help us in understanding some other scripture in another book of the Bible. And it's in the book of Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1, we find that God comes to the prophet Jonah in Jonah 1 verse 1. Now the word of Jehovah came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, and the name Jonah means dove, and And the dove relates or identifies with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Also, Amittai is a Hebrew word. It's 573 in Strong's Concordance. That's derived from 571, which is the word for truth. So Jonah is the son of truth. And we can see how Jonah is a picture of God especially the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the truth, the way and the life, in John 14, verse 6. Well, it says in verse 2 of Jonah 1, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish, 
from the presence of Jehovah and went down to Joppa. Now there is the same language that we have in Genesis 3, 8, that Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Jehovah God amongst the trees of the garden. And Jonah, a type of Christ in this chapter, at this point, is fleeing from the presence of Jehovah, just just as Adam did. Now, this is significant because we know that Adam has been used as a figure of Christ. And, and Christ is the second Adam. But, but Jonah here is fleeing from the presence of Jehovah. It goes on to say in verse three of Jonah one, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of Jehovah. And when we consider that Jonah is a type and a figure of Christ, and later on, God is going to bring the storm uh, at sea, a, a ferocious storm, and and the Lord is going to force the mariner's hand, where they'll have no other option but to cast Jonah from the ship and into the sea, and the, the raging sea points to the wrath of God, and it's a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus, experiencing the wrath of God for the sake of his people. Because the mariners cry uh, that we not perish for this man's life. That is really the cry of all God's people. Let us not perish for this man's life as as we point to the Lord Jesus in, in the day of salvation as we were crying for mercy. And and the mariners are making that same plea to God. And and then God works through circumstances, just as he did when Jesus um, had to go to the cross. It, it was the Lord's determinate counsel, and according to his foreknowledge, it says in the book of Acts, that Christ was crucified. God's the one who set in motion all the events that finally led Jesus to uh, being turned over to the Jews and and then the Jews turning him to Pilate and and then all the Jews crying out when Pilate wanted to release him because he found no fault in him. No, it was not possible. He had to go to the cross. He had to be crucified. Likewise, uh, there there's no other way that the mariners can see. They have to throw him overboard. So we we do see that Jonah chapter 1 is picturing the atoning work of Christ from the foundation of the world and its demonstration as Jesus would enter into history and show forth that wonderful sacrifice that he made as the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Therefore, since Jonah is a type and a figure of Christ and and his experience on this ship will point to Christ's experience in going to the cross as he is offered up and and comes under the wrath of God, not making payment in 33 AD, but, but still he suffered under the wrath of God, then it's very important 
it's very significant that Jonah flees from the presence of Jehovah, just as Adam and Eve fled from the presence of the Lord. And why did Adam and Eve flee from the presence of the Lord? Because of their sin. They had offended God. Their, their sins were, were upon them. They, they, they were naked. And they had just tried to take care of that by sewing fig leaves together. And, and yet still they had that sense, that feeling that God saw their, their ugly transgression. And, and so they hid themselves from the presence of Jehovah in their sin. And that's why Jonah is uh, fleeing from the presence of Jehovah. And it's also why it says that he paid the fare thereof and went down into it, into this ship, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of Jehovah. That is, Jesus entering into the human race began to go along with mankind, walking amongst men, and and where were men spiritually? Where is each unsaved person located? They are in the position of being from the presence of Jehovah. So Jonah went down into the ship to go with them from the presence of Jehovah as Christ became man that he might walk amongst men that were going away from God, separated from God by their sin and and from his presence and through the the atoning work of Christ and and going to the cross being laden with the sins of all that were going from God's presence he would restore he would bring back his elect people a great multitude we don't know the total number but in all likelihood as many as 200 million out of the entire mass of mankind would have once again a right relationship with God because Jesus went from the presence of Jehovah in their stead and and died for their sins that were separating them from communion with God and and he paid for their sins and and purge their sins away through experiencing the fires of God's wrath. He he had them washed from him, and in turn, each one of them had their sins washed away, and now there was no more sin upon these elect, and if there's no sin, there is no nakedness. They are covered with the covering of Christ's righteousness, they have that beautiful white robe that that covers them and and God sees no sin he sees no offense no transgression and and therefore there there is no shame there is no guilt uh, there there is no need for these certain ones to flee any longer to hide themselves any longer they can come out into the light 
and and enjoy the presence of Jehovah once again. They can walk with God as God walks along in the cool of the day or in the spirit of Christ. They can walk in the spirit with him. There, There is wonderful restoration of the original creation through being made a new creature in Christ or the original intent of that creation now is back in place. It is all restored. He restoreth my soul. And it it is a truly a wonderful salvation that God has wrought for these people. Um, I just wanted to mention that about that phrase, from the presence of Jehovah. Well, it goes on to say here in Genesis 3, verse 8, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Jehovah God amongst the trees of the garden. And we've touched on this a little bit already concerning the the trees and, and the garden. We know the garden is a representation. It's a figure of what Israel will later become. It's a figure of what the New Testament church, many thousands of years into the future, will later become the outward representation of the kingdom of God on earth. And we've also um, discussed the trees. God had said, ye may eat of all the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden. Ye shall not eat thereof. In the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. And we saw how God gave a positive command that you can partake of of many good things. Many good things God's word permits and allows and, and commands that mankind can do. But there is also something more in view with the trees of the garden. And and so we're going to take just a, a closer look at the word trees in Mark chapter 8. In Mark 8 and in verse 24, it says, and, and this is when Jesus heals a blind man, and very oddly he uh, he heals him in two parts but it um, serves God's purpose. Well, uh, Jesus spit in his eyes in verse 23, put his hands upon him. He asked him if he saw aught. And then in verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And and then Christ again um, put his hands upon his eyes and then he saw every man clearly. But, but here, this is... Um, what the Bible does from time to time, where God draws a comparison. He makes a link. He ties together two ideas. And in this case, it's men and trees. I see men as trees walking. And if it were the only verse in the Bible that made that kind of identification, we maybe wouldn't have... Uh, much to say about it, but it's not the only verse. In Judges chapter 9, it says in verse 8, the trees went forth on a time to anoint a king over them. And they said unto the olive tree, reign thou over us. 
But the olive tree said unto them, Should I leave my fatness, wherewith by me they honor God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees? And the trees said to the fig tree, Come thou, and reign over us. But the fig tree said unto them, Should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruit, and go to be promoted over the trees? Then said the trees unto the vine, Come thou, and reign over us. And the vine said unto them, Should I leave my wine, which cheereth God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees? Then said all the trees unto the bramble, Come thou, and reign over us. And the bramble said unto the trees, If in truth ye anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow, and, and so forth. Here we find the trees are given personality, the trees are seeking someone to reign over them, and if uh, men are trees, well, then it all makes sense. It all makes sense. We we understand this is men seeking a ruler. And actually, the point of this parable that is being spoken has to do with someone who made themselves king over others in Israel. And, and so it relates to people. Yet, it's speaking of trees. In Matthew chapter 3, in Matthew 3, verse 10, it says, And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Now God here isn't talking about trees. He's talking about people. People that do not uh, produce good fruit in their life. They're, they're unsaved and, and therefore they have rotten or corrupt fruit, uh, it, like evil figs compared to good figs. Well then you will be destroyed. You'll be cut down and thrown into the fire. We know that the Lord does the same thing in John 15 when he, uh, he says, um, I am the vine and you are the branches. He, he's speaking of himself as a tree and, and there are some scriptures that, that relate Christ to the tree of life and others to parts of a tree. There are actually many, many verses, um, that, that show this kind of relationship uh, between men and trees. In Jude, it says in verse 11, woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit twice dead, plucked up by the roots. God is speaking of um, false prophets, wicked men, that they are trees uh, whose fruit withers and without fruit. They, just as Matthew 3.10 says, you, you don't have fruit, going to cut you down and throw you into the fire. And, and so we can see this connection made between men and trees. In Psalm 92, Psalm 92, it says in verse 12, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now, there 
On the other hand, the righteous would be um, Christ in the first instance, but also the body of Christ, the true believers, are likened to a tree, to the palm tree and to the cedar tree. And, and so when we see all these references, and we also know that, um, as it said in Judges 9, it spoke of the olive tree. It, it was put forth, the olive tree rain, and God uh, relates the olive tree to the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11, in verse 3. And I'll give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And the two witnesses is a reference to the witness of the word of God, the Bible, within the churches and congregations during the church age. There were two olive trees. And we're familiar that the fig tree, in the first instance, represents national Israel. And, in turn, also the New Testament churches and congregations are typified by the fig tree. So it's it's no wonder that in Luke 21, when God is speaking of the Great Tribulation and the time of judgment beginning on the churches, he says in, in verse 29 of Luke chapter 21, and he spake to them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, Ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. In Matthew, it only mentions the fig tree. And and so we get all caught up with Israel being a nation again, and that is a part of it at, at, in 1948, and, and the fig tree is in leaf. But it's a dual meaning. Also, it refers to a barren church which is the sign of the Great Tribulation because the Holy Spirit comes out of the midst, leaving the church in a similar condition as Israel was left when Christ cursed the fig tree. Well, when we see all these references to trees, we see it can refer to people that are saved or unsaved, the righteous or the wicked, and it can refer to the corporate entities or the corporate bodies of Israel and the church. And and here Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Jehovah God amongst the trees of the garden. They are hiding themselves um, in the profession of Christianity or they're hiding themselves uh, by calling themselves Jews. And are not. They're, they're hiding themselves in doctrine. They're hiding themselves in being a church member in good standing. They're hiding in the Old Testament by thinking that sacrifices and ceremonial law keeping is what saved them. Or they're hiding in the New Testament through baptism and Lord's table and accepting Christ and so forth. They're in their sin they're hiding from God and are a true relationship with Him. They're separated from Him, but they're hiding 
because it gives good cover amongst the trees of the garden. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.